Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 34 of the Daily Run Through the Book of Galatians. And we are in chapter 5 and talking about what Paul refers to as uh, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. So what we talked about the last couple of days was where Paul says in verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he talks about there in verse 17 that there is this con conflict between the two. He says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so we talked about this, about this, um, this Bible truth, biblical truth, that there is this conflict going on within every believer, this conflict between their new man, the one who has been born again, redeemed, and set free from the power of sin, and set free from the penalty of sin, and the old man who was under the uh, condemnation of their conscience, uh, under their guilt of sin, uh, ruled by their carnal desires and uh, you know, dead in their sins and trespasses, uh, ruled by their selfishness, their old sinful nature. So there's a battle going on, right, in, in every Christian uh, between the old man and the new man. And uh, I was reading a, a story, oh, I think sometime last week, and it was talking about uh, shortly after Abraham Lincoln uh, signed the uh, the uh, uh, Emancipation Proclamation, uh, setting setting free the slaves. When the slaves were free, the Civil War was over. There were still those who had this uh, difficulty because they some of them still were in the same place where they had a former master, but now they were an employee. Um, now they were free. Um, and yet there were those who were their masters who knew I've kept this person enslaved and uneducated. Uh, I'm going to just convince them that they're still my slave. And so there were stories about those people who would say, look, there's, there, there's people telling me I'm free, but my master is telling me I'm not. And that that um, being ruled by the old man, even though you've been set free. I heard another one say, they tell the story more like this, that there was a, a grandfather and a young man, just a boy perhaps, and they were um, slaughtering chickens. And the grandpa would put the chicken under a bucket and then with its head on the outside, and then he would chop off the chicken's head under the bucket. And the grandson said, hey, dad, why do you do that? Why do you put a bucket over the chicken's body? And he said, well, I'll show you. So the next chicken, he put it up on the, uh, put it up, pulled out his ax, chopped off the chicken's head. And of course the body ran all around the yard. And the, the uh, little boy said, daddy or grandpa, why, why does that chicken running around even though you chopped his head off? And, and grandpa scratches his head and he goes, well, I reckon he's dead. He just don't know it. And for, for so many Christians, that's the case. They're, they're dead to sin. You know, the, the Romans chapter six, that reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin, but alive to, to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And there's a lot of people that have been set free from the power of sin. They just don't know it. They've been convinced that 
they were born this way, or they were convinced that this is just part of their genetic makeup, or they're convinced that they can't overcome this thing. They can't stop doing this thing. They've been convinced they're, a, uh, they're an alcoholic or they're a drug addict for the rest of their life. Rather than recognizing that Jesus came to die to set me free from the power of sin and death, that I don't have to do those things anymore. I don't have to be ruled by those things. And so, again, this is this important thing that every Christian needs to recognize is that there is this constant struggle between the old man who is trying to still command you and boss you around and the new man who is free. And so Paul's talking about walking um, in the walking according to the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And so he's going to point out what these things are. And this is not I, I don't think this is a a a. Uh, a, uh, a list in total, in other words, uh, to say this is this is not every single work of the flesh. I think there's additional ones, but I think this covers the bases pretty well. So in verse 19, he says, "Now the works of the flesh are evident." So he goes, "Look, you can you can tell what the works of the flesh are." He says, "Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, comma," and he goes on with some other things. But the first ones he mentions all have to do with sexual sin. And this is, this I think is, uh, well, I really appreciate that he put this in here because I've heard a lot of people over the years um, try to explain away a lot of what God would call sexual sin or what we would call sexual sin um, by saying these, this word doesn't mean what you think it means. Like this word doesn't mean, you know, when we say fornication, oh, that word doesn't mean what, it doesn't mean anything except for, you know, sex outside of marriage, or, oh, it only means uh, forcible sex outside of marriage. You know, people will start to do this stuff where they'll start to say, well, that's not talking about this. This is not talking about that. And they're just trying to explain away things to, uh, as I've said before, to try to make these words, the definitions very narrow so that they can avoid that thing being pointed at them. And so he says adultery fornication, uncleanness. So he's talking about sexual sin, uh, sex outside of marriage. Then he's using a more broad term to talk about sexual sin. And then he gets on to where he says lewdness, you know, and the idea of lewdness is this idea of um, just blatant and um, like how would, how would lewdness is like the idea of um, just being open about what you're doing, not hiding your sexual sin, not being sneaky about your perversions, but being out there open celebratory about, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at this. And this is, as you can imagine, not very popular stuff in our current culture. In our present culture, we are being told that, you know, tell somebody that they shouldn't be doing something that's of sexual nature outside of marriages. You know, that's old fashioned and closed minded and repressive. And, you know, I, I read it, uh, an article uh, a few a few days ago um, that was written by a girl that was talking about how when she was in college or in high school, she went to youth group and she said, I, I grew up in the um, in the purity culture. And this has been a very popular thing lately where people are denouncing the the uh, early 2000s purity culture you know, the true love weights movement. If you're not familiar with that, uh, basically the idea was to try to tell teenagers to wait until you're married to have sex. 
and wait until you're you're married before you start putting your hands on each other. You know, keep your hands to yourself until you're married kind of stuff. And this girl was saying how repressive that was. But the more she described it, the more I read about it, the more I realized like, well, somebody sold her a weird bill of goods. It was like, if you practice sexual uh, purity, when you get married, God's going to bless you with the best sex life in the world. And it's going to be amazing and wonderful and yada, yada, yada. And she goes on to talk about how she got married. And then, you know, her husband was a former porn addict and he was, um, he was abusive and all this stuff. And she said, it wasn't, it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I was, you know, this is this. So then she, of course, as people tend to do, the, she swings the pendulum the other way, right? So rather than saying, wait a minute, whoever was teaching this stuff on purity promised me things that God doesn't promise. They were making stuff up, you know, I don't know where the, I'm sure they were good intentioned, but, um, and I, and I've been to enough youth rallies to hear people preach this stuff and they'll say stuff like, just wait, it's going to be worth it. And you know, God's going to bless you. Well, yeah, but it, then they add to what that blessing is going to look like, you know? Um, so, uh, anyway, what she does then is she goes the other direction. She says, so this purity stuff caused all this damage in my life. So now I'm, I'm, I'm embracing my sexuality and embracing my body and embracing pleasure. And, Oh, it's so much better now, you know? And, and that's kind of the thing that, um, that people tend to do. And they, you know, take a hold of that, that one, one end of the pendulum and they swing all the way to the other. So anyway, in this verse, of course, he mentions four different things. He talks about, um, First, talks about like uh, you know adultery, sex outside of marriage, uh, fornication, and the Greek word there is uh, pornea, um, which basically um, is a, a pretty broad term. It can mean adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, bestiality, um, in, incest, um, and on and on. Um, the next word uh, is uncleanness. Acarthur, uh, and, um, that's the, basically the idea of impurity, lustful, um, you know, um, morals and attitude, you know, it's a more of a general uncleanness, um, in a, in a, uh, lustful type of way. And so, you know, it's one of those where people say, well, I'm not having sex with them. I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at pictures. I'm just, um, whatever. Um, so that covers, that widens the swath, so to speak. And the last one is, uh, Esagleia. Um, I probably pronounced that wrong because my Greek is bad. Um, but the idea there again is that, uh, outrageous, shameless, uh, wanton, uh, my Bible says like wantonness, licentiousness, excess, unbridled lust. It's the, again, it's that idea of very, um, open and, um, demonstrative out there, uh, look at me kind of thing, you know, no shame in what they're doing, not trying to cover it up, but promoting it. So anyway, so those are, that's not all of the works of the flesh. Those are just the first ones he starts off with. So we hit the next couple of verses because he's going to talk about other topics, but basically he's just saying sexual stuff is a work of the flesh, whether that's uh, sex outside of marriage, 
whether that's pornography, uh, anything that's, uh, you know, that's sexual stuff outside of the marriage relationship is misused and it's a work of the flesh. It's not, uh, it's not being used as God's, God intended it, as this oneness between a husband and a wife. Um, it's being used for the pleasure and for the uh, fulfillment of the lust of the flesh. And so those are things, again, we ought to read these things and go, what's driving me? What's my motivation behind what I'm doing? Am I being, am I being motivated by the works of the flesh or by the fruit of the spirit? So anyway, there's a lot more to the works of the flesh and we'll hit those next time. <laughs>